Welcome to Politics Done Right. My name is Egberto Willis, your host. We are going to have a great show for you today on KPFT 90.1 FM Houston. I have a great guest in the house today. This guy is one of my heroes. Uh, during the walkout, the necessary walkout of the Texas State Legislature, he was one of the folks who assisted in making sure, organized it in making sure it happened. State Representative John Rosenthal is going to discuss with us today shenanigans, election shenanigans, democracy, and more. Welcome to Politics Done Right, El Senor Rosenthal. How are you doing today, <laughs> sir? Thank you so much for having me on the show. I'm doing good. Well, before that, I like to introduce people properly. Let's tell our audience, because not everybody is in District 135. Some folks are listening from all over the country, and we want to let them know who you are, because this has national implications. State Representative John Rosenthal visits with us today. He will discuss the state of our democracy and how election deniers are disrupting our democracy. There, this is not a Texas issue. It is a national issue that is fundamentally a clear and present danger. Representative John Rosenthal has been in Texas since 1979. He graduated from the University of Texas at Austin in 1991, where John earned his Bachelor of Science degree in Mechanical Engineering. He has since worked for over 25 years as a project manager, engineering manager, and subsea systems engineer in and around the oil and gas industry. Representative Rosenthal has been a strong fighter, advocate, and champion for better public schools and health care and ensuring we have comprehensive criminal justice reform across the state of Texas. John was honored to receive the Freshman of the Year Award from the Nonpartisan Legislative Study Group the second largest caucus in the Texas State House dedicated to developing mainstream solutions and advancing sound public policy benefiting all Texans. Sir, welcome to Politics and Right Again. You're too kind. Thank you so That's much. That's not kind. <laughs> uh, we like, would like to do things. But anyhow, anyway, John, um, we were over at a club meeting a few days ago, and I saw you, and I am surprised that I didn't know that on December 2nd, you were challenged after you won your election by more than 6,000 votes. That's somehow right. you were challenged. Tell us a little bit about that. So, so in this case, um, uh, the, the election outcome is clear, right. right? House District 135 was, was not a competitive district um, that because of gerrymandering, very few districts in our house districts in our state are competitive at all. Right. And so this, uh, the, the margin was 15 points, 15 percentage points. Mm -hmm. And uh, and my opponent, who lost by over 6,000 votes, has has brought a challenge to the election and actually petitioned the Secretary of State to throw out the election and, and have a new one because he cited some uh, 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 issues with voting machines and voting locations in Harris County on Election Day that uh, a relatively small number of locations compared to all of them and claiming somehow that more than 6,000 people who would have voted for him were denied an opportunity to vote. But already the district, they gerrymandered the district. They gerrymandered, I mean, it was almost next to impossible for him to have won the district absent uh, your voters not showing up at all. Uh, so first, that's true. And second, I mean, to be completely frank, this person did not run what appeared to be a serious campaign. Mm 
Mm-hmm. Uh, it was it was uh, largely self-funded, so he loaned his campaign money, uh, got some signs, and put them up on the road and stuff. Um, I didn't see a uh, a concerted multi-layer effort like you would employ to try to actually competitively win a campaign. And so on our side, we spend all of our – raise the money, spend all those resources contacting voters. We had paid canvassing. We had volunteers in the streets. I knocked on thousands of doors, you know, and uh, and then we had Internet advertising and, and direct mail and all those things that you do to try to – run up the numbers and and in our case i did not think i needed to run up those numbers to win our election we were trying to turn out the vote for harris county for the state of texas so that so that we could be competitive in our countywide and statewide races i wish all politicians thought that way because it is so it's so interesting that uh, a lot of people think they're in a safe district, so they don't do a lot of work to actually realize that as if their district overperform, it actually helped in the larger districts or in the state at the state level as well. That's right, and um, and so polling showed uh, that I should have been able to win this without spending a single dime, mm-hmm. just because it's a deep blue district right. now. Um, but that's not the point. And I think it actually is even more important in these safe districts for the representatives, for the people, for the, the candidates to get in the streets, to talk to the people. Because, you know, you, you, you are in an election hoping to gain the title of representative. How do I represent people if I have not heard their voices? I love that you said that. John, let's continue speaking about some issues here. So you got... You, you're, now he's challenging an election. Is it even, isn't the election already certified? The election is certified. It's a done deal. And, um, but by bringing the challenge to the Secretary of State, by mm-hmm. petitioning the Secretary of State, this becomes a formal proceeding mm-hmm. that has to go through the House of Representatives. So the Speaker of the Texas House has nominated a master of discovery, a special master, mm-hmm. and this person will either... Uh, will do some initial work and either throw it out on its face mm-hmm. or he could actually appoint a, uh, a select committee in the Texas House of Representatives. We could explore this for the entire session, have a bunch of reps and have uh, discovery and documents and testimony and all that jazz really would spend hundreds and hundreds of thousands of taxpayer money on a completely frivolous effort. Now, let me ask you this. Uh, what would be the purpose? Is, is there somebody making some money on doing all this research? And let, let's be frank here, because a lot of times, a lot of these studies are done because my friend owns a consultant company who can actually be hired to go ahead and pull all the records in Harris County and make a few bucks on the state. So I hadn't even thought of that, but uh, it's obviously um, an angle that's uh, it's a valid point. Someone might be making money off of that. I think the larger effort here is, uh, is, is honestly the Republican Party of Harris County, Republican Party of Texas, going after us in Harris County. So this is a vehicle to attack 
our elections administration and our county government in Harris County, Texas. It's interesting because you can attack Harris County as much as you want. You're not going to change the flavor of Harris County. And unless you take on some sort of an authoritarian uh, rule on Harris County where you guys make a state law or something that says, okay, we as a state are going to take over your election to ensure that it's no longer free and fair election like it has always been. What's the point? So that is the point, and that is the concern is that um, – they will set it to where Secretary of State will be responsible for running our elections in Harris County. Of course, we we do not want that. We want to have free and fair elections administered by the folks who are closest to the people. I want to wrap up this on the um, on the election. Lina Hidalgo is getting challenged, and as you said, everything looks like it came from a boilerplate, pretty much. Right. Right. Exactly. And, and in coming from a boilerplate, it just means that we have powers that be. It just shows that these guys have always been puppeteered. That's correct. It's a coordinated attack, you know, and it happens at, at higher levels of, of establishment, you know, not necessarily just in government. Right. But the folks who are pulling the strings behind the government. Let's go ahead and talk a little bit about what do you think are going to be the highlights of uh, this year in, in, the, in the House of Representatives? In the state House of Representatives. It, well, in the Texas state legislature in general. So yes. there, uh, I think that, uh, well, of course, you have to be a little apprehensive. Um, the, the Republicans control and they were not challenged uh, substantively at the state level. Mm-hmm. And so whatever they were doing before, they're going to come in believing that that works for them. So right. we're going to see continued attacks on 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 women's autonomy, women's health care, on the LGBTQ uh, um, communities. We're going to see attacks on public education, the uh, the whole anti CRT, which mm-hmm. doesn't even exist. You know, so you're, you'll see more attacks on the culture war front. But I'm also optimistic because there's some stuff folks are talking about on both sides mm-hmm. that everybody wants. And when when you have an environment where the people can talk together and both sides want something, usually that's good for the state as a whole. So we may see pushes to to legalize cannabis, mm-hmm. to legalize gambling in mm-hmm. this state. To um, and I'm going to be working on public education to uh, to affect change in the way that we do standardized testing of children. I think there's a coalition to be built around that. What about uh, better normalizing districts? In other words, a a state, a district that is rich with industry has a tendency to over, or have more money for their district than one, let's say, in in rural Texas. And it's amazing to me that rural uh, state reps are so poor at wanting right-sized taxing and redistribution of resources that all Texans should be a part of to help their own communities that are struggling. It's a, you know, that's true. It's a good point. And um, you would think these folks would want equitable access to benefit, equitable access to funding. Uh, We are, I just saw a report today where a record number of rural hospitals are in danger of closing in the next year. Brother, we spoke about that two days ago. I mentioned Yoakum, Texas, and but it wasn't the hospital in Yoakum, Texas, but a lot of hospitals have already closed yes. because they haven't accepted the Medicaid expansion to the Affordable Care Act. Is Dan Patrick going to do something about that to allow some modification to help Texans and not keep killing Texans as they are right now? You, you know, you would think that there would be motivation for that, especially since rural Texas really does, plays a large role in yes. helping to elect these folks. Um, but I don't think so. 
Well, you know what? I, I tell you what I think, John. I think uh, most people, in, and I'm coming to you, Jeffrey and Tony. I think most people in, uh, in Texas just don't understand that their politician is getting them, their politicians are getting them killed. Because there's a study out of, I, I don't remember the university, there are t over 2,000 Texans being killed every year because of their lack of insurance that the Medicaid expansion to the Affordable Care Act would have mitigated. You know, I totally believe it. Uh, but what I'm saying is I don't hear that on TV. I don't hear it on ABC 13. I don't hear it on any channel. You are in the house. Are you going to shout through the, through the rooftop to make sure that, that these mainstream media at least Listens to you. You're here, and you are here on independent media. You're going to get your hearsay to say, "Yeah, these guys are killing X amount of Texans every year." Oh yeah, can I, you shout that? I to promise make sure? you, this will be a conversation on the floor in the Texas House. It'll be a conversation in committees, and you will see representatives. I'll be one of them. Uh, John Busey, Donna Howard. We're going to have a number of state reps on the microphones, bringing these bills to expand Medicaid, and these are the arguments exactly that we're going to. And be what making. I hope that. You all do. Those of you representing us in the, in the House and in the Senate, that you make, again, you're not going to get the full coverage at the mainstream media level because they are owned and bought by the pharmaceuticals, the hospitals, everything else. You're going to get it from independent media. My question to you is, will you guys be using independent media to really help get your message out? I'm happy to. I don't know what, how that's coordinated. Um, well, you've started it by being here. Okay. Well, if you come to the Capitol, I will spend time with you. I'll be on your radio show. Sounds great. While uh, folks like me can say certain things, I don't expect the representative to say certain things. But representative, please. Well, <laughs> it's um, – so – I think that the levels of government have very different dynamics about them. And so when you're talking about what's happening in Washington, D.C. and in the federal government, and if you're watching any of these here, the, the, uh, the clown show that is the, the Republican House of Representatives in Washington, D.C., just trying to nominate and elect a speaker, you know, it's, uh, it's a serious, it's really... How can I say this? Seriously crazy. It's unbelievable off the charts. And so a certain type of messaging probably works better at the federal level, like you're talking about. When we get into the state house, it's a little bit different. And um, I feel like the environment there, uh, uh, the representatives in the uh, my colleagues don't go after each other personally like that, like they do in Washington. And that helps us work together on the things mm -hmm. that we do want to work together on. So it's a completely different environment in the state house. And then if you, you got to look at the personality. So it's one thing if Egberto Willis or other personalities who are out there in the public sphere um, want to use more bombastic language. But for me personally, I'm actually an engineer from the oil and gas industry, right? I am not that bombastic a person. And so it's just not my personality to. I, I want to add to that, like though, Rip. Uh, and I don't want, as as being our representative, I don't want you bombastic. I want you solving problems. But I want that the people on the other, uh, the, the people that are backing you to to be telling the things as they are. I mean, you can go out there and say, "Well, uh, you you can go on the the state floor and say, "Well, uh, by us not passing 
uh, the Medicaid expansion to the Affordable Care Act, 2,300 uh, people are going to lose their life. I am going to go out there and say, by, by the evil politicians who decided not to pass the Medicaid expansion to the Affordable Care Act, they are killing people. I, that is what I think America jars Americans to, to see reality. Now, what you're saying with the civility that you must have as a, as a good politician that you are, I understand that. But I, I think it is important for the folks that are in this domain to tell the truth. And the truth is that our, uh, and this has nothing to do with the rep here, but the truth is that they are harming, they are harming our Texans right now. And our rural Texans, the people that we need to get to, you know, I, I said in the meeting on, on Wednesday, we have to love on our rural brothers and sisters, right? Because they are getting harmed. They are getting harmed by what's being, what's occurring in Austin. And we have to do that. We don't expect our politicians to do all the work. I think they have to have a, a supporting cast to get that work done. I hope the next session pushes through the Medicaid expansion, but I'm truly pessimistic on this matter. I'm on a, uh, uh, you know, it doesn't stand a chance uh, at all. Until, uh, until the, the Republican leadership gets behind it, they're not going to pass it. And, and, uh, this <clears throat> in the Texas house, they actually had a select committee in the interim here. So over the course of the last year or so, looking at ways to improve access to healthcare in Texas. And of course it's even off limits to talk about the Medicaid expansion. So I don't expect, what uh, do you mean by it's off limits? I mean, dude put in charge of this committee has been instructed, yeah, find out any way that you can do that's not a Medicaid expansion. And what is the reason for that? You know, that is a good question. And uh, I don't understand why the governor of Texas, the lieutenant governor, and the speaker of the House are so against bringing our tax dollars that we've already paid out back to this state to help alleviate the uh, massive problems with access to health care in the state. We are the worst in the union, the yes. worst in the union, the no highest number of uninsured people, the highest percentage of uninsured people, the highest percentage of uninsured children in this state of any state in the union, the highest percentage of uninsured women of childbearing age. Now, John, state. we should be, we should, every single uh, politician that believes in people should be out there saying that and, and you are here on a program saying that i wish we had more people just saying hey get us get us on air so that we can inform our constituents as to the reason why their aunties their their aunties their children are dying in the state of texas so we were talking a little bit uh, just a couple of minutes ago we we're talking about decorum but there's nothing to prevent us from saying hey you conservatives claim to be the party of pro-life how come we're not protecting the lives of babies and mothers in this state by expanding medicaid oh my god that's i'm glad that came out i wasn't going to ask you to say that but thank you for saying that sir we should say it every day exactly right um i'm not a lifetime politician i just got into this as an anti-trumper so i started as a political activist in 2017 and in 2018 is when i decided to run for office like i said i'm an engineer from the oil and gas industry and i'm a political activist so while i'm diplomatic in language i i speak the truth to power brother i <laughs> 
<clears throat> and I will get unelected before I'll cross my own values. So you'll hear me be vocal on the issues. You'll hear me go after the folks who are being phonies and fakes. And you'll hear me about um, uh, campaign finance reform for sure. You know, I, I don't feel like I owe anybody anything except for the alliances that I have made. So if... Um, like I take money and support from labor, from the teachers, from the animal rights folks, from, you know, a broad spectrum, but all people who I line up with. So if the teachers union rep comes in my office and says, here's a bill that's coming to the House floor and this is our position on it, I'll be like, I got your back. You're the teachers. You're the people that brought me here. That's why I'm here. But that I'm beholden to those folks and I'm beholden to the people in my community. So I'm also willing to cross party lines if it's for my community, for the people that I actually represent. And that's my job. Which is that exactly right? My area, District 135 is Northwest Harris County. So I'm, I'm on the Northwest side of Houston and we're all unincorporated. And so our uh, fire department and ambulance service, uh, fire department and EMS is part of a special service district, emergency services district. And uh, while this is run off a combination of our sales taxes and property taxes, the amount of property tax that goes to uh, 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 finance our fire department is a really tiny, tiny percentage of the property tax that homeowners pay. And we got some conservative right-wing nut jobs got themselves elected to the board of commissioners, which is basically a volunteer board that uh, get elected kind of like school board mm -hmm. or, or right. whatnot, something like that. <clears throat> and their whole platform was, we're going to give you tax relief. Well, there's not substantive ground there. I mean, the amount of our tax that goes for the fire department is a tiny percentage and they want to cut that. But what is the result of that is that we won't have the funds for the fire department to operate fully and to expand into the areas where our population is just exploding out there. And so it's kind of, it sounds like an echo of what you're talking about, right-wing conservatives trying to make a political name for themselves about being fiscally conservative and we're going to save your taxes and no new taxes or whatever. But at the same time, they are screwing over our our public safety and our health services. I think these folks are... Um, are really uh, I, what I think what they're doing is they're developing their their backbench for political runs, and so these people are trying to um, uh, line their re resumes with conservative bona fides so that they can run right. for different offices. Ironically, when right. when when the fire department fails, when the hospital system in in Liberty County, which is where you're at, run fails, you would think that they would have a direct finger to point at those people who instituted those policies to prevent your hospital to prevent the fire department from being funded right so i i want to comment on this because you've touched on a couple of things the first thing is these things that are happening in these um in these micro spaces so you're talking about a hospital in liberty county i'm talking about uh emergency services district in house district 135 you know, and we and we can talk about these school board, you know, on the on the east side of Houston, on the west. These are not isolated incidents. It's right. all the same thing. They're all connected. And what happens is mainstream media avoids some of them, maybe because of their corporate sponsors, maybe because these are 
uh, uh, too local, too micro-local to cover. But in the context that they're all connected, those things should be talked stitched about. Stitched together. And we, all, we need to stitch them together into a story. Exactly. Remember everybody thinks right. story, right? So we have to stitch them together. Um, I'm not, I, I, I want to say this, Sam, because we, we, we have a, 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 a politician in the House. Not only is he a politician in the House, but one that is next to the people, all right? How, based on your interaction with other politicians in the state, how best can we have people power and not corporate power? I know, I know you don't speak the language all the time about corporate power, this as a previous oil man and all of that. I have nothing, I have no problem with, with, with the oil industry at all. I have problem with it being unequitably, unequitable. How best for the people listening today to actually have an effect on the politicians that are going to be writing laws that affect their lives in Texas? So it's a good question. I get asked this a lot. The very first thing that you want to do is find out who represents you. And you can do that. You can go online, who rep, uh, just Google who represents me, Texas. There's a little form you can fill out. It gives you all your state legislators, state senator. Know who they are. And then let them know who you are. All right. Right. Um, you can write emails to us. You can call us at our offices. You know, you can... Um, you can come to the Capitol. Uh, our doors are open. That that Capitol building is your building. It's not our building. It's your building. And we are here to serve. And anyone in these positions who don't think that they're here to serve the people, they need to get unelected. So make sure that your voice is heard. No matter what the issue is, you can call our office. You can talk to staff in the office. If you call uh, most of us. You could actually book time, come visit me in my office. I make time for constituents. When they come in, I meet personally with you. But make your voice heard when we keep track of all that stuff. And so there actually is an automated system that we use. When you voice your opinion on an issue, we get lists of people that voice their opinion. So it becomes a hot topic if you and your friends. So get folks to... Um, to call us, to visit us. If you write a personal note on email, like if you write to me, I'll respond personally. But make sure that you know who your representatives are and then make sure you let them know who you are and what you want. Look, folks, we still have, Americans still have one person, one vote. Whether you are the CEO of a company or you're an individual citizen, it is the, the CEO has enough advertising budget to make you believe that you are worthless, that to make you believe that you cannot effect change. The reality is you have a vote, use it. It is our responsibility as caring, responsible citizens of this country, of this state, of this district, of this county, for us not to look at those who may be voting against their own interests, but to engage those who are voting against their own interests with stories, our uh, honorable state representative here tells the story of the district, the fire district, that isn't going to be funded because of the false notion of a tax uh, of, of a greater tax liability than would really be. Uh, John, you know how I end all of my programs. I always ask you to tell me something that I should have asked you that I didn't ask you, something that you want to tell the audience that I didn't ask you to 
confer to the audience. So the one thing uh, you did not ask me on the show today was if I have a personal um, something, an issue that's dear to me personally that I'm going to be advocating for. Because while I'm a progressive and I'm going to have a full progressive slate, I have got a couple of things that I am going to try to forward in this session. The first is to separate is in public education to separate uh, the funding from the standardized testing. The money, the dollars that go to your school districts should not be dependent on the test scores of children in schools. That's the first thing, and I'm doing that. Uh, in, I'm going to go on a crusade in the name of my deceased father, uh, died last year, a lifetime educator, railed about standardized testing. And the other thing is to go after community violence. We need to establish a statewide office of community violence intervention and prevention to, to use data-driven solutions to help reduce violence in our societies and our communities. Well, look, I, I want to thank you for being on Politics Done Right because we couldn't do it with having state representatives like yourself who are out there really making a difference. You went from engineer to politician. <laughs> I, you know, I used to say a long time ago, engineers will always make great politicians. And the reason why is you do the numbers. And the fact that you do the numbers says a lot. So thank you so kindly for having been thank here on so Politics much. and Right. We spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join.